Hey, Rarecast listeners. This year, Global Genes is bringing together its Rare Health Equity Forum and Rare Advocacy Summit for the Week in Rare, which will also include its Rare Champions of Hope Awards ceremony and annual membership meetings for the Global Advocacy Alliance and Rare Corporate Alliance. This is a unique opportunity to gather and engage with rare disease advocates and leaders in the same space for conversations. Join us September 18th to 21st in San Diego, California for the Global Genes Week in Rare. For more information, go to www.globalgenes.org and click on Events under the Connect tab. Hope to see you there. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Microglia are specialized immune cells in the central nervous system that act as sentinels to maintain healthy brain function. They protect the brain against processes that can ultimately lead to neurodegeneration. Vigil Neuroscience is developing precision medicines designed to target microglia and restore and enhance the performance of these cells when they fail to act as they should due to disease. The company's lead program is in development as a treatment for ALSP, a rare genetic neurodegenerative condition. We spoke to Ivana Magochevich-Libish, president and CEO of Vigil Neuroscience, about the role of microglia, what happens to these cells in ALSP, and why the company's approach can have implications for a range of rare and common neurodegenerative conditions. Ivana, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about the microglia, the rare neurological condition, ALSP, and Vigil Neural's efforts to develop a therapy to treat the condition. Perhaps we can start with microglia. What are microglia? Microglia are the sentinel cells of the brain immune system. Uh, They maintain health and well-being in the brain, and they regulate a host of neurological functions to prevent neurodegeneration. So you can think of microglia as um, cells that sense damage, and then they are the cleaning crew. They go out to the sites of that and remove that damage. And when they're not properly functioning, that's when we accumulate the debris in the brain, which leads to neurodegeneration. And what is ALSP and and what role does microglia play in that condition? Sure. So ALSP actually stands for adult onset leukoencephalopathy with axonal spheroids and pigmented glia. It is a rare inherited autosomal dominant neurological disease. It is actually caused by a mutations in a single gene called CSF1R and it affects an estimated 10,000 people in the, in the U.S. Uh, the disease generally presents in uh, adults in their fourth decade of life, which is really devastating as many are in the prime of their lives. 
as you can imagine, they have responsibilities, aspirations, and often dependence. And, and how, does, how does the condition manifest itself and progress? So the symptoms uh, typically um, exhibit rapid progression with a life expectancy of approximately seven to seven years uh, uh, on average after diagnosis, which you can imagine cause a very significant patient and caregiver burden. The symptoms tend to uh, present, like many other neurodegenerative diseases, this is why this disease tends to be misdiagnosed as well. So uh, a lot of cognitive issues, behavioral issues, as well as motor issues. How is the condition generally treated today, and, and what's the prognosis for someone with it? So unfortunately, there are no treatments available today. Um, the only treatments for potentially for treating some of the some of the symptoms, as I mentioned, the prognosis is devastating because from the onset of first symptoms until that is only six to seven years. This, as you mentioned, is an adult onset condition. How do people with ALSP generally come to get a diagnosis? And once they seek medical help, how likely is it a doctor will perform the necessary test to provide a correct diagnosis? Yeah, so the another challenge we have with the ALSP is that it's a recently uh, defined disease. So the, the gene was that causes the disease, uh, the mutation, the CSFR gene, are, was only identified in 2012. So when we actually started working in this disease, we knew that we needed to build this from the bottom up. Um, and we understood from the work that we were doing that, as I mentioned before, a lot of these patients tend to um, get misdiagnosed because it is a rare disease. The, the physicians are not familiar with it. And so when people present with symptoms that could look like multiple sclerosis or frontotemporal dementia or Alzheimer's, they end up with a wrong diag diagnosis, which obviously creates tremendous amount of issues because um, they get you know, treated for something that is not going to be helpful at all. And as I mentioned, there is no treatment uh, at this point for the patient. So Really, what's really, really important is to get uh, properly diagnosed, and the best way to do that is with the genetic test, because the genetic test is available. It is available globally, and it's a very straightforward diagnosis once you have the results of the test. What we are hearing from the community, because obviously we spend a lot of time out there in the community to try to make sure that we're educating ourselves and others about this condition. So what we hear, not only just from the physicians, but also from patients and their families, that the cost and the access to the test make it very challenging to get a quick diagnosis. And this is why, uh, after you know, really speaking to the community and understanding what the main challenge is around proper diagnosis, that is why we uh, launch our ALSP AWARE program. Well, let's talk about that program. In May, the company announced ALSP Aware to provide no-cost genetic testing and counseling services to people suspected of having ALSP. How does the program work? So the program um, is very straightforward. Uh, what we're doing is we're providing uh, free of charge, not just genetic testing, but genetic counseling as well. Because as you can imagine, um, it's one thing to get tested 
But once you have the diagnosis, it's really important to have the opportunity to talk to a professional who, you know, is familiar with the disease and not, can on, not only share uh, what the disease is about, but also all the resources that they can become available to a newly diagnosed patient. So this is a program that we launched in the U.S. Uh, we launched um, actually two parts of the program. One is directed to patients and their families. We didn't mention but this is an autosomal dominant disease, which what unfortunately what it means is that if you if you find a carrier, you usually have a pretty large family is because it gets passed from one generation to another. So what what we're uh, providing is free genetic and testing um, and counseling to uh, families um, that are affected by this disease. So anybody who is 18 years or older and, you know, has a family member or suspects that they have a disease are eligible to get tested. But we also want to deal with the misdiagnosis part of this issue. And so we're also providing a 24 uh, gene panel testing that's available to healthcare providers. So that, and this looks not just at ALSP, but a bunch of other leukodystrophies, because we want to make sure that these patients are properly diagnosed as quickly as possible. So that's going to be available um, in, you know, we're focusing on clinics where we know these patients tend to be, end up um, as, you know, MS or FTD or Alzheimer's disease. So we want to make sure that we educate those physicians and make these tests available for them because we believe that, you know, um, getting a correct diagnosis is critically important. And not just getting the diagnosis, but then having access to all the resources that then can be um, available uh, to patients suffering with this disease. You alluded to discussions that you've had with healthcare providers and others that help shape the program. What did Vigil learn from those discussions? What what we learn, and we learn every day, um, as I mentioned, you know, this is a disease that's only been recently diagnosed, so we're all still learning, um, is that, as I said, one of the barriers is the cost and availability of the test, and also just the fact that, you know, physicians are not familiar with the disease. So we, we spend a lot of time, um, you know, educating uh, the physicians and to ensure that they, when they see these symptoms and they're not sure about the diagnosis, to be thinking about ALSP. And then obviously um, also making sure that the resources are available for people once they um, are diagnosed so that they know that there are patient associations out there that can, that can support them, that there are you know, clinical um, activities that are happening in the space, that there are, um, you know, uh, disease awareness websites, opportunities to really um, get educated and understand what it means uh, to be living with this condition. This is a, a relatively new condition that, that may be under the radar for a lot of physicians. How's the programming helping the company identify potential participants for clinical trials or helping the company better understand the disease and the patient experience? So the, the main purpose of this is, is not really to, um, you know, 
find patients for clinical trials. The main purpose of this program is really to help families um, get the support and the information that they need once they have this diagnosis. And then the second purpose is really to reduce that misdiagnosis rate. Obviously then, yes, we wanna make sure that the right education is also provided, but really it's to make sure that the families have the opportunity to get tested and get that diagnosis as you know early in, in, in the, in the disease trajectory so that they can see what there are, what the options are for them. We're still learning about this disease. We're actually running the first natural history study ever in this indication called Illuminate. And the purpose of that study is to really learn about the disease, about the patient journey, really understand how the disease progressed so that we can ensure that in our clinical studies, we are addressing and making sure that we're impacting the most important symptoms of this disease, which are the most important in terms of patient well-being, but also um, helpful to the caregivers as well. Vigil is developing VGL 101 as a potential treatment for ALSP. What is VGL 101? So Vigil 101 is a fully human monoclonal antibody that's uh, agonist of a receptor on microglia called TREM2. And as I mentioned, microglia are the primary cells that sense damage in the brain. So uh, TREM2 is actually the main damage sensor in the brain. And so uh, what we're doing is we are overactivating that particular sensor in order to compensate for the mutation that's happening in the CSF1R gene, which is another receptor of microglia. The reason we believe this is going to work is because these two receptors have signaling downstream that converges. And what that means is that they can compensate for each other. So we believe that by overactivating TREM2, we can actually compensate for the deficiency that results from the CSF1R mutation, which is really what happens is that the number of microglia are reduced and the number of active microglia are reduced as well in the disease. And what I mean by active is that TREM2 activation, which is the receptor, so the receptor on microglia needs to be activated in order for microglia to uh, convert from their kind of you know, we're just in the brain watching over what's happening, being vigilant, and this is why we named the company Vigil, to saying, oh, I need to get activated because there is damage here, and now I need to be that cleanup crew that goes out there and cleans up the damage. So that conversion only happens when TREM2 is activated, and that's what we're trying to do with our antibody. This is a, a fully human monoclonal antibody. Is it delivered systemically? Is there any issue getting it across the blood-brain barrier? Yes, so it is delivered systemically. It's a, uh, a monthly IV infusion. We um, are currently conducting a phase two study in, in patients with LSB, but prior to going into patients, we conducted a phase one study in healthy volunteers where we actually shown uh, that the drug is, you know, safe 
and tolerable, but in addition to that, have shown that it does cross the blood-brain barrier and engages the target. So we, we feel confident that we are getting the antibody to where we need to get it in the brain in order for it to activate the microglia. And what's the development path forward? So that will obviously depend on the results of the study, um, but we believe that if we can show um, efficacy, and we're looking at efficacy based on biomarkers. So in this disease, we know that there are very meaningful changes in the white matter lesions and ventricular volume in this patient population, as well as changes in a biomarker called neurofilament light or NFL. You probably heard about it. Now it's just been approved for another indication is a surrogate endpoint, which is very, very exciting. Um, it's highly, highly elevated in this patient population. So what we're looking for is to see if we can move these biomarkers. If we can move them, we believe that we have an opportunity to have early conversations with the agency and see how quickly can we get this um, drug approved based on the based on the, our biomarker strategy. We're obviously looking at clinical endpoints as well, but as you know, those take time. So our study is 12 months in duration, but we'll be taking early looks at six months in order to see whether we can move the biomarkers and then go talk to the agency about what is the right and the best pathway forward to get this to, uh, to the patients as quickly as possible. Vigil is looking at this as a potential therapy to treat other leukodystrophies. How broadly applicable do you think it might be beyond ALSP? So um, we believe that microglia are um, involved with a lot of different neurodegenerative diseases and involved with other microgliopathies. So some of the leukodystrophies are actually microgliopathies, which means that there are issues with microglia. And we think that in those specific indications, there is an opportunity to explore beyond LSB. Ivana Magachevich Liebisch. President and CEO, Vigil Muro. Ivana, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. It was a real pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.